Thanks for joining us for the Small Talk Big Ideas podcast, a podcast to enrich your soul, where we have conversations with inspiring people about all things property, business and life. And now, the host of Small Talk Big Ideas, Ian Ugarte. Hey there, welcome to Small Talk Big Ideas, and today we're talking to Jane Slack-Smith, who's very well known in the property game as a full-time property investor and teaches a lot of people how to do exactly the same thing she does, coming from an explosive minings engineer all the way through to actually being able to leave work, and more importantly, for her husband to follow his passion of art. Please listen today to the amazing podcast of talking with Jane Slack-Smith. I hope you're enjoying it, and remember, subscribe and follow us on all the social media platforms. Enjoy. We're here with uh, Jane Slack-Smith from uh, Investor Choice uh, Mortgage and your property success. She's been around the traps for many, many years. Hello, Jane. How are you? Hey, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> We've got this um, beautiful red hair of yours that you've um, you've gone through and that looks amazing. Tell me, um, people don't know who you are. Tell them, tell them what you do, basically. Oh, wow. Start with a big question. Um, you know, I allow people to, I guess, get to their full potential by using residential property to achieve their financial stability so they can move on and do what they want to do when they want to do it with whom they want to do and create intergenerational change. Intergenerational change. That's a big one there because obviously people grow up and essentially become their parents. Mm. And if you can change one level of um, generation, then that obviously impacts further on. Often talk about that yeah. with Karina. You've met Karina, I think, um, who came from yep. a very, very low socio, and I can see generations ahead of her now that she's made an impact on that. Um, where did you grow up? Yeah, well, look, I, you know, similarly, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I grew up in Dubbo on a farm. My dad was a farm labourer. My mum was a nurse until, uh, you know, a, an event meant that she couldn't keep nursing. And so, you know, one of her passions was colour and decorating. She became an interior decorator and helped, you know, people create some colour and some lifestyle into their homes, especially, you know, large kind of um, homesteads out in west, central western New South Wales. And, uh, you know, they did it tough. We did it tough. We ate whatever dad grew, you know, we had, I don't know, roast lamb three nights a week and chops four nights a week, <laughs> whatever veggies were in the patch. But, um, you know, for me, I think the difference, you know, just talking about intergenerational change and how you can influence your children and, and, you know, what I try to do to serve others is that my mother always said to me, you know, just be the best that you can be and try your hardest. And, you know, if you, if you can do anything you put your mind to and accept fly and with God's help, you could even fly. And so, you know, my sister and I were really brought up with this belief that we could do and achieve anything. And, you know, just getting to university, we just didn't have the money to get to university. I had to get a scholarship. So I remember, you know, sitting up with my parents, writing like 150 letters to get a scholarship. And I got a scholarship as a mining engineer. And <laughs> I went and studied mining engineering, you know. <laughs> and so you ended up working, obviously, all over Australia, overseas as well? Um, I did a lot of visits overseas. So I studied mining engineering for four years. Um, it was it was a really interesting experience from a growth point of view. I was the first female to work underground in coal mines. Everyone went on strike. You know, it was considered unlucky. 
because of me yeah so having a female underground was considered unlucky and we're talking 30 years ago here um and you know it's not that long ago like 1990 that's not that long ago to have that sort of thought processes going through people's heads like seriously but look how far we've look how far we've come it's funny i was talking to my son this morning on the way to school and i was saying to him you know something about you know what is it you would like to to do on your school holidays and uh he's like oh i can't really do anything i'm like you can do whatever you put your mind to choose that you know i chose to be able to do something and i wasn't aware of the barriers or obstacles that would come up i just never crossed my mind that it was illegal for women to be underground a month before i started working there they changed the legislation there was a bit of a union movement about it and you know that they settled down i went underground you know if I, uh, my parents sacrificed a lot to send myself to and my sister to a um, boarding school to have a better education. If we ever came home to the farm and felt we were a little bit better than anyone else, dad would whack me onto the plough for a few days, which <laughs> went down to earth. You know, we, I was never, never expecting to, to, you know, be anything other than what I put my effort into. So, and I think that kind of mindset for me, I see so many people, as you do, struggle with, um, finances and money and you know how they can just survive not thrive and because they're focusing on those things not focusing on you know the vision or where they want to get to you know they're passing that on to their their children and i think if i can just alleviate people of the money stuff then imagine sitting down at the table and having conversations about things and about abundance rather than lack and worry and how does that affect the children going forward so yeah i definitely you know see myself in a, as a little cog in that wheel of allowing that kind of abundance in the conversations and in the education that parents can pass on yeah so you go into mining how do you start getting into property um well i was an explosives engineer i was an expert in explosives so every single thing that i did was you know looking at risk understanding the likelihood and consequence of things going wrong and i was 28 i was reading rich dad poor dad thinking you know i do spend my time making money and i don't have money working for me i'm working to make money it's not working for me so i was looking at you know how can i do things differently and i then met my now husband todd and he was saying oh you know i used to mow this lawn you know he had all these businesses as a kid in new zealand he said i used to mow this lawn for this guy and he was like 25 and he said you've mowed my lawn really well do you want to come and do my other properties and he's and, and todd's like how do you have all these properties he said the first one is the hardest but once you've done that and you understand the process you just you know just keep doing what you know and get it right and he really inspired Todd. Todd, you know, bought a property and he had thought that you had to pay it off before you could actually move on to the next one. And so we were having this conversation about, you know, just working, working, how do we get out of this? And uh, started doing the two hour free seminars that people were throwing at us. I read 120 books on property, it was at a minimized risk. And I started thinking if I could bring my explosive skills to property, then I'd be comfortable. And my boss used to say, can you just buy a property? Once you have a mortgage, I know that you're stuck with me for life. And I was like, I don't want to be stuck <laughs> doing this job for life. So, yeah, so I just, you know, I started thinking, how can I minimize the risk? And so I developed what's now the Trident strategy. So I thought if I can have a plan A, B and C in case I get something wrong, then, you know, I can um, really understand 
how I can create the vision that I want for, for myself and my family. So, you know, the Trident strategy was essentially buy below the market by researching and knowing the market and negotiating well, adding, taking the property to a higher and better value. And for me, that was through renovation. And the third was being in a capital growth area so that I knew that that property was going to go up in value. So for me, just having those three things, if I stuffed one up, you know, I always had the growth potential to fall back on. So, you know, I really did a lot of study and research around just the mechanism and procedure of getting it right. And that's how I got into property. Sounds so simple now, the, the Trident method, but obviously, you know, you were first to think about it in a different way and um, brought it forward. So what was the actual first investment property that you bought? Well, the very first investment property was, so we, we created like a, a, a ring of 10 kilometres around Melbourne. We got rid of all the suburbs we couldn't afford. We then started doing research into the suburbs we could afford and looking at what would drive growth here. So I tried to get an understanding of demographics and I thought, well, if I go back to history and see what's happened in the last 20 years to all the suburbs in Australia and what drove growth with those and applied it to these suburbs, and if they had the same kind of filtering, then I'm kind of like reducing my risk. So we chose three suburbs in Melbourne, Carlton, Fitzroy and Collingwood and did, you know, every weekend went to every auction of the typical property that the typical person wanted. Uh, went to one open house for rentals for every 10 that I looked at to buy to make sure that I knew what the renter wanted as well and to vet, you know, the rental agencies. And so it was just, you know, walking the talk and we drove down this beautiful street and we're like, one day we are going to live in that house. And, you know, we're going to live in this street. This is like, this is the end goal. And um, that one day came sooner than we expected. The opportunity came up. There was two properties going up side by side. I was very uh, singular in the mindset that I wanted to be able to create my own wealth and understand how to do that. So I wanted to invest separately from Todd. So we're both looking for properties in the same area, two properties, one bill of sale, uh, did all the research, did the residexes on them, understood what the issues were, you know, did the pest and building. And we got down to this auction and the most I could do was like 427 and, you know, Todd had a little bit higher price point. So the auctioneer was selling them both at once. So it was like 980, 990. And uh, we went, it was knocked down to us and we went in to negotiate and went, this is how much it's going to cost us to do the work and this is this. And, and at the same time, there was a couple of QCs out the front saying to the real estate agent, whatever those kids want, they won't be able to afford this. Whatever they put in as the price, we'll put in 10 grand more. And to the real estate agent's credit, they didn't take that. They negotiated with us. And so I ended up with a $425,000 property. Uh, I borrowed $50,000 and did a renovation. And nine months later, it was worth $700,000. And it's worth like $2 million today. Well played. Well played. Um, and so for your husband, um, he was in, he's, uh, was in IT. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was in IT. Him. <laughs> didn't love, didn't well, love it. Didn't, lo didn't love IT. He had uh, he'd done like seven years at uni as uh, an economist and political history and, you know, really wanted to do something in that vein. But, you know, graduated when there was no jobs in New Zealand, joined a management company, a management consulting company. They put him in IT and that was his box. And all he wanted to do was paint. He paints um, portraits, he, you know, and with property, 
you know, by the time he was 40, he was be able was able to give up his IT job and he just paints and just so loves he it. Paints, all he, he paints for fun now, doesn't he? Yes, he paints however, for fun. However, he does sell stuff. He does. He does. He really, um, if you want to check it out, toddsimpsonart.com.au. But he just loves... Um, he loves the process of taking something at the moment he's doing a lot of urban scapes he's taking something and looking at the beauty of it and putting it down and then it's a, such a validation when someone else says oh i want to buy this too and it's kind of like when you renovate a house or you you know do a development or something and you see something like a blank canvas and you can create beauty and then other people appreciate it so yeah it's um you know I just, I look at people who have chosen the vision and the path and what they want to achieve and just think, you know, so many people just get caught up into the mindset of blockages and lack and worry and they don't choose what they want to do. And hence, they're always, there's always this tension and always this gap that they just can't get over. And I think, you know, looking at those who are successful and choose the success or choose the vision. And I know with my mentoring students, you know, our very first exercise we do is this vision exercise and they they cry after it. And I get really emotional because for a lot of people, it's it's something that they've never been able to see before. And for others, it's closer than they thought. You know, they, they're waking up in the middle of the night worrying about their properties or money or their career or, you know, how am I going to get the kids through school and all of these kind of worries where they they haven't had a chance to actually sit back and go, what is it that I want? And if you, if you start then, you know, coming back to the current reality and saying, well, here's the gap, here's your vision and here's where we are now, let's just close the gap. And you and I know the property part of that is a small part. We can, we can get people properties that will satisfy that need, but it's the mental mindset of choosing that success often is where we do most of our work. I mean, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, looking looking at your husband Todd's website now, people could could um, be confused and think that this is photography, but this is actually airbrushing. Um, these aren't photos. Photorealistic, no. They're photorealistic art, um, and uh, all for sale. Like that that one right up the top there, Darren, the the one with the tram right up the top. Um, keep going all the way up. Yeah, uh, that one there. That one there looks amazing, you know, with the blurring lights in the background and the tram in the front. Like, that's... It, it's sitting here with me right now. I've got oh, a is inspiration. <laughs> I'm making pull them in and out. The one, <laughs> like with, the tree, the one with the trees too. I like that one there. Just there, yeah. that one there. That looks that looks amazing too. Um, how, how long does it take him to do one of... Oh, two to two to three weeks to do one of those. And right. but the thing is that um, when he does like the portraits, he starts with the eyes and I'll walk up into his studio and there'll be a blank canvas with just these incredible two eyes. eyes. <laughs> and if he doesn't get it right, he scraps the canvas. It's like oh, really? the eyes are the soul to the, you know, the center to the soul. And if you don't get that right. So he's He's a perfection in what he, he does. And I think that, you know, when and we, that's the, that's we the, that's the one sitting behind you now. The, uh, oh, that's a, yeah. I can, that's Nathan Lyon. Yeah, he's sitting yeah. here hanging out, watching me. Between us, he turned up uh, after the I think it was the twenty twenty or something, and he had been out all night celebrating, and he was so hungover, and this vein was just like pulsing. But it, <laughs> and it was like, and there's another picture of him with his hands on his hat, and and Todd was saying to him. 
you know, uh, what's the kind of image that you'd like to be portrayed with or what's something that you're really proud of? And he was saying, you know, there was a moment and then he was walking out onto the field in Dubai and it was hot and he'd been away from his family and he'd been traveling and he put his hands on his hat to connect to his inner vision, which was playing for Australia. It was the greatest highlight of his career. He was given his cap and slept with it under his pillow for three weeks. Like as a young kid, playing for Australia was his thing. And he was so connected to this vision of what he wanted to achieve. And, you know, I just think that um, I, you know, and recently um, Brendan Nelson, uh, who's, you know, was in politics and with the, the War Memorial came to the studio and was painted for a, a picture that's now in the Canberra Portrait Gallery. And uh, just talking to him, you know, he had this deep sense working with people in housing commission communities in Hobart that, and with um, Indigenous people in Northern Territory, that they weren't getting a fair go and that the system was against them. And so he got into the system to make things better, first as the president of AMA and then to politics. And, you know, he just had a, a deep sense of service. And so, you know, for me, property has been fantastic for us. And, you know, we've been able to follow our dreams and what we want to do. But giving back and being of service to me, you know, that very first property allowed me to then pull money out and go and buy and do it again in Sydney. And we did it again and again and again. And, you know, once again, between us, <laughs> you know, we got to um, enough properties to get in 2006 to go, this is enough for us. You know, we don't need lots more. This is this is good. And, you know, what what's next? And for me, it was serving others and helping others. So I showed my friends how to do it. And then I thought, I need more friends. You know, they've now got their million dollar portfolios that I set them up. And, you know, Investors Choice Mortgages for me was the first thing that I could do that allowed me to have the conversation with people about property. Because I knew that, you know, the money was a facilitator for what they wanted to do, but getting the property right for me has always been the thing. And and that allowed me to then get into, you know, um, learn more about myself and how I could help and serve others with education. And hence I got into, you know, your property success and the ultimate guide to renovation and, and the courses and things. But it's been, I think, interesting just seeing, you know, you get to a point where you've got the financial solidification of, you know, that foundation. And then it's the choice of now, what do you want to do? And, you know, for Todd, it was painting. For me, you know, it's about serving others and assisting others in that journey and uh, trying to get people just of the mindset of it is possible. You know, there is so much more out there that you can do and achieve. And yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a gift. Because that's the biggest mismatch uh, we were talking about earlier. The biggest mismatch for people is that they just turn up. They actually don't have their end vision in place. And for mm -hmm. some people, because they don't have the end vision in place, it goes one of two ways. It's either they struggle every day and they're not thriving, or they actually mm. do thrive, but they continue to doing to do more and more and more, but they don't have any reason why. Why do I want to own 150, 200, 300 properties? You know, it makes yeah. no sense to continue buying. And I think that's both you and I had that same awareness to go, uh -huh. well, enough is enough. Um, when can we start doing others? Um, and we still, like you, continue to invest, but we don't go hard at it. Talk about, you've done a lot of learning about vision and, you know, where the place is going. How do you help others with that? Um, it's in a few 
few ways, you know, I developed the Ultimate Guide to Renovation course, which is no longer for sale, but, you know, um, uh, you know, in 2012, because I wanted people to see the process. And I thought if people can see the process and see, you know, not just how to do the renovation, but how to buy the property strategically and see the entire thing that, you know, I could empower them to be able to you know, get on the right path just with the first property. Because I know if you got the first one right and you follow the bouncing ball, you're good, you're set. But I was still finding people making mistakes or, you know, or I was rescuing people that come with, you know, three mining town properties or one bedroom off the plan units. And, and I just kept having to rescue people. And, and I was in that process of, what could I do? You know, I've got a community of 30,000 people. You know, what can I do to keep helping these people? And I'd be doing these monthly calls, which I've done now monthly since 2012. And, you know, just helping the community with their biggest issues. And last year I was um, served up in a, a, you know, a health event that I didn't expect. And, you know, I had you know, I know myself well, and I knew that things weren't right with me. And, and I kept saying, I'm putting on this weight and, you know, I'm not feeling comfortable with myself. And the doctors say, oh, you know, you're approaching 50. That happens yes. to women. Certain metabolism's, time. Just, you know, metabolism's you know, changing and it happens hormones, at this age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. And I'm like, I don't think, oh, I'm okay. But it just kept happening. And I knew that wasn't right. So I, I was persistent. And I found out I had a brain tumour um, Easter 2019, um, had Cushing's disease which means it's a brain tumor in the pituitary gland so a lot of people it's a very rare to be diagnosed and a lot of people might have thyroid issues or they might have diabetes and the doctors fix one thing but then they get another thing and I was so fortunate because I just knew my body so well that I was like onto it before I had any of those issues anyhow so I had it whipped out that's all good. And I remember laying in hospital and uh, well actually I, I went through the surgery and I thought you know, I want to come out of this better and a better person. So I started doing some meditation beforehand and I've been a meditator, you know, and practicing meditation for years. And, uh, and I visualized, I found this uh, post-surgery visualization and they essentially said, just visualize that the blood moves away from where the surgeon has to go. They go in, cut it out and it's all good. And so I got into recovery and as I was waking up, the surgeons, they're going like, I expected this to take three to four hours. It was amazing. The blood moved away. I cut the little thing out and it's two hours, you're out. And so I was laying there in recovery and after about half an hour, the nurses start asking the questions and this nurse was saying, you know, so what do you do? And I said, well, I help everyday Australians, you know, just get to have financial security so they can live to their full potential and get on with life and create intergenerational change. And she's like, can you say that again slower? I was like, oh, okay. And she said, how do you do that? And I was like, well, you know, there's fundamental ways of how and where to buy property. It's a known thing. Like it's mm. not a secret. I just help people do it. She said, oh, I'm going to buy a house. I've got this house and land package I'm about to buy. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, so you need a fundamental of, you know, you know, infrastructure and growth potential. And she said, wait a second, there's these other nurses. So these three other nurses came in. So in recovery after brain surgery, <laughs> I was doing this like masterclass for these nurses. And so in the subsequent 10 days laying in hospital, I did maybe four or five more masterclasses for the nurses. And I was sitting there going, there's all these first home buyers who aren't thinking strategically like investors. I can serve them. So I got out and did, you know, 10 episodes of the first home buyer show where first home buyers go to watch their wealth grow because I thought I can really serve these guys by using all this government stuff to get their first investment property under 
control. And then whilst I was laying in hospital, I thought, what if my brain doesn't work again? I've taught people how to do the ripple effect and the dot map that takes, you know, three to four hours. And then, you know, my filtering around vacancies and percentage of renters and stuff and all the demographic stuff to reduce their risk. That takes like 12 to 13 hours. You know, what if I can't? What if something happens and I can't teach people how to do this kind of 18 hours of stuff? And so I engaged this programmer whilst I was laying in bed in the hospital recovering at St. Vinnie's and uh, in the Ukraine, I'm like, okay, I need to do a brain dump of how I do this. Can you make this into a program? Algorithm, seven seconds now to do that. So, you know, I've, I've been able to, I guess, shortcut things and just get to simple solutions because I know if I can get people through the property bit, then we can move on to the great stuff and they they can be unleashed on the world to do things, not caught in the jobs that they're thinking about. And, you know, you know, is this all there is, you know, and I think a lot of people during the, the COVID pandemic have had that kind of, is this it? And, you know, being able to, you know, with Investors Choice Mortgages, mortgage brokers do the borrowing capacities and then they get that strategy call with me, you know, seven seconds, let's find out where you can buy that has some growth potential, then has maybe some higher greater usages, you know, like what you're doing or renovation like I'm doing as well. So, you know, I think it's just, there's so many opportunities to come out of the challenges that allow you to say, put your hand up and go, well, who can I serve? You know, in the pandemic for me, I, I know there was a lot of mortgage brokers going, gosh, you know, no one's buying properties. Our business is going to collapse. Let's go refinance everyone. And I stood back and thought, you know what? I don't think people need that. So I created the Thrive, um, not just Survive series with mindset coaches, with, you know, homeschooling coaches, with experts on releasing blockages on health and wellness and improving your immunity. Um, I've got a 12 year old kid teaching kids how to do YouTube channels, had these two girls who stopped um, as teenagers when worked in refugee camps to help people, you know, learn English. And I think for me, it was just supporting the community through getting them through and understanding where they were. So, you know, for me, my higher goal is to serve others and help them reach their potential. And as you know, it's not just property, that's one part of it. You know, we have the opportunity and luxury. And so I'm so grateful for the, um, I guess, spotlight in some sense to help people actually think there's something different that they can achieve themselves. Yeah. And, you know, what? agree with everything that you've said there that it, it can be become simplistic but it still needs someone to lead it and put it together i mean we we met at a event uh and immediately realized that <laughs> that that working forward was going to be an easy thing for both of us simply because the, this industry of the wealth creation industry seminar industry is something that's um that's frowned upon but by most people, you know, and you only have to look at some of the comments we cop on Facebook just because we're advertising on Facebook and, you know, we're a scam. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that we spoke about was creating a, um, a whole bunch of people that would sit together in a, in a position of integrity and compliance. And we did talk mm -hmm. about, can we, how can we create a standard so that there's a minimum standard for someone that gets on the stage that firstly has done it for a long time, secondly continues to do it, and thirdly actually has to put in every year or two years some sort of um, evidence that you actually are in the position that you're sprouting. Um, but you know, mm. I, I just what what I've seen lately is 
experts popping out of the what they call themselves experts um, popping out of the woodwork because they're good at social media. How do you mm. see? Uh, so you've you, clearly your pivot during pandemic um, was uh, very much similar to ours. How do you see moving forward these experts and the industry going? Um, do you think it'll be a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? You know what? I think that I think there's a place for everyone. You know, if, if I looked at because I looked at the thousands of people who've been through my education or mortgage business over the last 15 years, and I could see if I think of a graph and I think of, you know, along the X axis, I had action and along the Y action axis, I had knowledge. You know, there's people who take fast action like they're like, oh, we're buying in New Zealand because there's no capital gains tax. We're buying in the USA because we can buy something for 50 grand. I'm, you know, doing, you know, options or flipping or, you know, they'd like the next thing. And they get a group of people beside each other going, did you try this? Did you read this? Did you see this? And, you know, they're doing this. And then, you know, a lot of the wealth creators are in that space. And then we have the others who are doing the education. They're not taking any action, but gosh, they're knowledgeable because they've done all of these courses and they, they've, they're talking to each other and they, these are the real nurturers. They're out there and they've got their own group and someone will say, oh, did you did you read this article? And everyone has this big chat about this article. And, and then you have the cynics, no knowledge, no action. They're kind of our, if you think of a hero's journey, they're kind of like the guardians. And a lot of them are coming from a position of fear for themselves, but they mm. put that on you as, you know, I'm fearful that something could happen to you. They're actually coming from a good place mostly. And then we have the people who get knowledge and take action. And sometimes you have to go through the process of taking some action and maybe following the wrong person and getting it wrong to realize that an investment in time be and money with an expert will actually get you to where you want to go. So sometimes I think people, you know, I know right in the beginning, I was going to these free sessions and people were saying, you're going to have to pay $500 for um, a course that could teach you how to do this. And I was like, I'm not paying 500 bucks for that. <laughs> Whereas now, if someone said to me, I will create for you a $3 million property portfolio that uh, will be done and dusted in the next three years, you don't have to think about anything other than getting on with life. And in 15 years time, you're going to have the money to retire to do every single thing that you want, but I'm going to charge you 100 grand for it. And I'll be like, only a hundred grand. Yeah, take <laughs> like, my money. Like, yeah. Take take two hundred fifty. Where do I get the two fifty? Different question. But do you know what I mean? Like, so I think that sometimes you you have to go through it. So when I see these experts pop up, I I do hate. And I with I had the the health uh, event. It's not a challenge. It was an opportunity to learn more. It was an event that occurred to me, and it didn't happen to me. It happened and I responded to it. And I've come out the other side going, you know, there's only two things that I'm going to put my my um, mental effort into. The first thing that goes over everything up the top is family and my own personal health. Health, Jane, Project Jane, get better, you know. But then I have mortgages and mentoring and I'm sick of saving people. Sometimes they have to go through the process to know that they could invest somewhere else. And at, hopefully at that time, you know, my voice or my platform or whatever I say is something that resonates with them. But I get that it doesn't it doesn't gel with everyone. And that's just fine. And that's why there's other experts out there. And, you know, I know with mortgages, we have this conversation every week with um, 
the mortgage company and we will we'll be like is this something that we are in our integrity we're prepared to do and we do not have to write a loan to eat but some people do and i do look at my mentoring students if i can't get them their initial investment back in the first year or 10 times that in 10 years time i don't even start the relationship mm. you know because I have, and some of them are, you know, doing it tough on a single income, bringing up a single kid. Some of them are high execs in in um, banking companies, and you know, it's just a small group of people. They get me one on one, but if I'm going to put all my effort and time and energy in making that kind of vision for them, then you know, I I need them to make a commitment, and you know, financial commitments an exchange of energy that allows that, and I don't make an apology for that, but. You know, I need them to put the time and effort into. It's not like turn up to a course, here's my money, and you do it to me. I need people to be involved, and I think a lot of those um, people that you've just mentioned that are turning up and say, throw me the money, people are going to throw money at them, but they're not going to get the result, and they'll keep no. looking for someone who they can, and I think that's when cream rises. Eventually, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the one thing for me, a couple points from what you just said, the first thing is that, I had one person come to me years and years ago. He's now a proclaimed expert in the area that he's, you know, he puts himself out there. Um, but the first thing he said to me after joining was, you're going to make me rich. And I went, oh, so from now on, I have to actually ask <laughs> some questions before someone, because yeah. that's not what you're here for. It's here for you to take action on that. You mentioned the hero's journey. It's something that you teach and something that I continue mm -hmm. to teach as well. Um, I get Darren to pop up the hero's journey because uh, you've got the celebrity's journey and the hero's journey in itself as well. I love the hero's journey because it doesn't matter at what circumstance you are in anywhere in your life, in any place, whether you look over at 30 years or you look over the last 30 hours, you can always find a hero's journey. Do you want to talk about that and why you um, have an affinity to it? Yeah, yeah, and it came from my mentor. I've invested heavily in mentors myself. And you know, my mentor had, had you know, really solidified this kind of journey for me and i think you know you watch all the great tv shows or movies or whatever star wars everyone has a, a bit of tension and they start with the tension and they think there's something else and they're not too sure what it is and then there's these guardians that try to stop you and pull you back and you have an obstacle you have to get over and then there's a huge final kind of um, release of energy maybe a big fight or revelation or you know challenge that you face and then you get to the other side and I and the only thing that I think about the hero's journey that I I don't I don't think you need to buy into is the conflict I think you can look at it and go you know things and obstacles and challenges will come up and they're a learning experience and there's an opportunity for you to choose how you accept that. Is it, are you accept it as someone who's a victim or you, you accept it as someone that's taking this as a curious point of uh, education to the next stage? And I think, you know, that connection of the hero's journey for me is I just, as I said, I just love these vision calls. I get to see the vision on this visualization that we do in the future life. We come back and we cost it out and we get put the path for the person to achieve that. And there's this awakening and their eyes get brighter and mm. there's this life in the energy of it. So for me, the hero's journey is, is one that um, allows us to, to create the storyline of what could be happening at the time, but it's about becoming the hero of your own story and understanding what you're trying to achieve. And you know that connection, just a lot of people just miss that. 
Yeah, uh, for sure. And you know what I what I love about the hero's journey is that you know once you cross that threshold. So for us, it's all about supporting people to get to the point. You know, so they you know they 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 find the mentor, they reject the mentor, the calling after the calling comes, and they get to the point where they cross the threshold. But it's that threshold point. Those people that attend every free seminar. Those people that attend and join every program they possibly can have never crossed the threshold. It's the time where they mm. finally go, I'm ready to commit to doing this and I actually purchase a property or, you know, something that's mm. actually going to mean something to them. Once they're there, that's that's where the fun for me starts because up to that point oh, yeah. in time, it becomes very difficult. I've been working with this guy now. I haven't been working with him. He refuses the call consistently. He's on every free webinar he can possibly get on that I'm part of, and he'll be on there the whole time. Oh, you know, what about this and what about... And it's the same question over and over and over again. I said, I can't help you here. You need to cross the threshold. You need to be over the threshold mm -hmm. like everyone else that's covered there. What do you think is what's been your supreme ordeal in the last last year seemed like there was a supreme ordeal coming the opportunity that came up with your health do you see that as your supreme ordeal over the last few years yeah absolutely i mean i think i had to look at the time and the energy that i have to contribute and i had to say you know i can only put my effort into a few things i can't put it into everything and and you know i mean behind the scenes from you know what we do it looks like it's so seamless and easy but you know you're going to get things with websites are down or connections aren't there or people don't get their logins and you know i see all this and it worries me and so even like with um your property success club you know it's a, a subscription it was 97 dollars a month and but sometimes the videos weren't working and, and I would get into it and then I decided with um, COVID I'm just going to raise money for Kids Helpline there's 9,000 calls a week mm. coming through at the moment there's 40% being answered these guys need it via donation you guys donate I'm not taking the money donate get the money where it needs to be 10 days we raised you know $11,000 and for them and you know it was for me it was this kind of like it was a pressure off and they were the right type of people who were making the donations and wanting to contribute and they're getting the course and they're really thankful for the content they're getting and thankful to being in the community and and I, I choose that I choose not to be you know in the efforts and that's why you know I'm kind of pulling back from some of the courses I know there's some of the courses like location masterclass where I'm just like everyone needs this so I'm just gonna make this happen but all the other things I've pulled off and stripped down and, and I'm only going to work where I can put my energy and make the biggest transformation for people. And that's, you know, after we've gone the borrowing capacity, the strategy session for me with men, with the mortgages or working with the mentoring students. So, you know, for me, it's just like where I put my effort is really important at the moment because, you know, I've got Project Jane and Project Family I'm working on yes. and, uh, you know, they're more important to me than other things. So speaking of which, when uh, when the Bledisloe Cup will play, um, who in your household, you've obviously got Kiwi one side, you've got mm. Aussie on yourself, um, but you're not, your background isn't Australian, is it? You're, what are your parents? Dubbo, pretty, yeah, I've got like six generations of farming. Right. Um, and so kind of stuff, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and so with that, when the Bledisloe Cup's on, mm. what, who, who were the supporters? My husband is a Kiwi. 
Yeah. I have to say, I really got upset when my son used to like the Australians used to do well in the first half and he'd be going Aussie Aussie and then the Kiwis would it's... just come in and crush us and he'd swap jerseys even. <laughs> and I took offense to that. And so now I'm just like, you know what? Just put on that all blacks jersey to start with. And the funny thing is, you know, Todd many years ago became an Australian citizen and it was under the absolute um, you know, precursor that he would never give up the All Blacks. I know more about the All Blacks, you know, Dan Carter, I know more about the All Blacks players than I know anything about the Australians because I've, you know, been forced along and now, you know, got into it. But, you know, it's um it's 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 funny just having that kind of uh delineation in the house. I'm happy to do the oi oi oi's but everyone else is doing the haka. So wait, um, there is a call in your house um, as you're walking around that you've got to be careful of with your the tackle oh, yeah. that could come. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, my gosh. It's like the Geno Lomo tackle, and it's been from a very young age. It's like since my son could start walking, my husband was teaching him how to do it. And if it's not me walking around the corner and being attacked by a Nerf gun, it's me walking around the corner and one or either of them yelling out, Geno Lomo, and I'm, like, ducking to the ground because I know it's, you know, <laughs> it's safer to fall from a smaller distance. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's always a tackle going on in this house. I never know which way to look. It's not like it's a peaceful, zen-out property by any chance. Uh, as a final, what would you say to someone about their life? It doesn't matter in which direction. What, what advice would you give someone to be able to move forward in life with? Believe in yourself. Believe that you're worthy. Believe that you're enough. Believe that um, opportunities come by all the time and you're just not aware of them. And you know, open yourself up to what you want to achieve with your life and choose that. And, and choose the, you know, opportunity to step into the brilliance that you are, that you're created with and believe that you have everything that you have right now to start that process and start that journey. And, uh, you know, just believe in yourself. I think, you know, it's one of the, the most important things any parent can, can pass on to any child, any uh, educator can pass on to their students and that we can do to help people. And it sounds really woo-woo and I get that. And I get that the fact that some people aren't in the in the time to hear that now. And it is all about, you know, I'm going to lose my job and I've got health issues or I've got kid issues, I've got parent issues. And yes, those things are happening, but it's how you react to them. So take a step back and understand that the way of the world is actually so much bigger and beautiful than maybe where you are stuck at the moment and just try for a moment to open yourself to that and you will be absolutely delighted with what you can create for your life great piece of advice i mean anyone who can actually find the opportunity when brain tumor comes up is pretty awesome so as always uh thanks jane and i hope everyone's enjoyed this last little bit with you thanks ian it's been a great yeah. time talking Thanks for hanging around the Small Talk Big Ideas podcast. We hope you enjoyed that and pulled out plenty of information that'll help you move forward. If you want to find out or listen to more podcasts, please subscribe, follow us on social media, or go to ianugate.com.au to find out much more about what we do. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Small Talk Big Ideas podcast. We hope we've succeeded in our goal to inspire and challenge you. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Small Talk Big Ideas with Ian Ugarte.